Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sat down with Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. In this episode, Casey and Chip discuss the grain markets and some of the volatility we've seen in recent weeks and dry weather creeping in. They also look ahead to next year and the pros and cons for growers who choose to store some of this year's grain to see if the weather has a positive impact on prices down the road. Chip, man, how you been? Doing well, Casey. We've got uh, some interesting markets to talk about. Finally, remember, it wasn't that long ago we were like, "Should we even do this podcast?" There's nothing to talk about because we're going to to literally zero, and it got really interesting really quickly here. Yeah, there was a pretty good ramp up last week that we saw. Looks like the USDA came out and decided that they forgot to carry one, and lo and behold, didn't have as much grain as they thought they did, and markets kind of rallied there a little bit and now we're starting to look at some pretty dry conditions as we look across the entire united states going into uh guys planting wheat and stuff um across the country and the outlooks of dryness in the black sea regions and europe as a whole there's a lot of uh a lot of drought hanging around out there and you know to say the least there's not a uh a real good forecast as we look to see what's happening in brazil in Argentina this year is moving to a La Nina year where it's traditionally that makes it a, a drier situation than normal. I guess as you look at these ending stock reports that we've seen and uh, this potential dryness that we're starting to see creep in, how how are the markets starting to react to that? And um, is it a little too early to tell, or do you feel like some guys are building some stuff into this uh, into this market? No, well, it's the, that stocks report you touched on that certainly changed the the environment a little bit, right? Because all of a sudden, lo and behold. 18 months after the fact, you know, we realize, hey, maybe this prevent plant issue we had a year ago and uh, the resulting horrendous crops that those people uh, raised in those areas, maybe the, maybe the crop wasn't quite so big or maybe, you know, we did have more prevent plant than, uh, than what uh, was let on. It's very frustrating because the USGA just with a stroke of a, of a brush changes it without much of an explanation. Uh, one of the bigger changes, you know, 256 million bushels, I believe, uh, lower on the quarterly stocks, which is uh, actually the final old crop 2019 ending stocks. And that put the carry out below 2 billion bushels. Um, it's amazing, though, if you think back, you know, it wasn't that long ago, 60 to 70 days ago, there were a lot of people thinking we'd end up with a uh, ending stocks number on this year on corn of 4 billion bushels or greater. Um, and now, fast forward a couple months, uh, we've had, you know, a, a flash drought in, uh, you know, the last half of uh, of July and August for a lot of people. Uh, really took top end enough yields in a lot of areas. And we may end up with a sub 2 billion bushel carryout. So 2 billion bushel potential swing in carryout in corn in a matter of two and a half, three months. And uh, it's definitely lifted prices. We saw prices push into, I don't know, I think about seven months highs last week, mm-hmm. uh, north of 380 on December futures. Right before the August crop report, we're at 320. So we've tacked on uh, 60 cents in in corn, and we know the the big uh, rally we've had in beans led by Chinese buying. And now things get really interesting as we come up to this Friday, um, the 9th. We've got the October crop report. We're going to do uh, you know snapshot and an estimate of what uh, the growing crop, or I guess the crop we're harvesting currently, what the yields are, and that could really have a, a major influence as well. 
you touched on some of the dry weather we're starting to see that's very much affecting us, especially in wheat. Um, wheat, I think, is maybe the, the one sleeper here that um, could really explode higher if Russia continues to have dry problems, if uh, Argentina and uh, Brazil continue to have dry problems. And then you mentioned here, I mean, we're pretty dry uh, in areas right now when we're supposed to be planting wheat. So wheat may be one uh, kind of sleeping giant here if this dry weather continues in these hot spots across the world. Commodity funds have a record long position in beans, and it's going to take further bullish news to get the beans pushing you know, north of the previous highs, north of 1050, and maybe challenging 11. But the corn and the wheat market, uh, the funds have, uh, they're net long, but they have a lot of room they can add to those positions. And, uh, and, and really, you know, I think uh, corn and wheat could, you know, make a, a lot of room up um, on beans, but it certainly uh, went from a, you know, negative, uh, almost depressed state where, you know, some people were actually talking about is corn going to move to LDP levels to now we're, you know, could challenge $4 with a, a little more friendly news on the production side of, of corn. And, and, you know, of course, wheat's had a big move higher. And uh, things have gotten uh, really exciting on the grain side of the equation in here in a short amount of time. Yeah, okay. So a couple questions real quick to you. One is, guys I've talked to, not only in my area, but kind of in the surrounding areas, say that the corn looked great, then we got into it, and the yields aren't there that we thought we'd see. Can you kind of hit on that a minute ago and, and, and what they're seeing out there? Is that the same kind of sediment you're hearing out there with your customers that you're talking with that uh, they might be off? you know, five or six bushels from what they thought they might have. And then the other side of that, too, is as you look at what Brazil has done and Argentina has done with uh, selling a, a record amount of, of beans to China, this crop coming in is typically the crop that they that they keep for themselves typically this time of the year. But they have, they could, ex I mean, there's not going to be much for them to export, I guess, really is what I'm getting at. Any kind of hiccup down there as far as, as weather goes could, could really send the, uh, the soybean market flying actually, especially with what we're seeing right now with soybeans too. Again, I'm hearing the same kind of thing that we're just not, we were off, you know, four or five bushels an acre type of deal on the soybean side. So I guess, what are you hearing out there and what are your, what are your customers telling you? Yeah. So uh, it really depends on where you're at. There's a huge amount of variability. And when you see variability like that, um, it typically means you, you're not, you can have okay crops and good yields, but you're not at a record. And so it really is is uh, variable depending on where you're at. Uh, some producers we talked to down, uh, you know, parts of southern Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, some of these areas like that are having basically the best corn and bean crops they've ever had because they just never they got it planted timely. They never really stressed uh, over moisture, never got super hot. Uh, so you have pockets like that that are really good. Parts of northern Missouri are really good. Parts of western Illinois are really good maybe not quite record, but then you get into those areas further north. Um, obviously, the windstorm uh, right. you know, is well publicized with the problems there in Iowa. But on top of that, it was super dry. And, you know, the northern, say, third of, of uh, you know, Indiana, Illinois, up into Wisconsin, uh, uh, Iowa. So those areas um, are highly variable. You know, I'm hearing from well you know, field on one side of the road might make 230 and then you move across the road and it might go 190 185 so there's a large amount of variability and when you have that typically um you don't experience the best national average yields so um i think the market kind of anticipates that maybe they're going to shave back 
cornmeal just a little bit on this upcoming report. Uh, beans are, are a little different story. They're, in my mind, more consistently good, but the driest areas certainly saw the top end taken off, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm, I'm hearing a lot of um, you know, kind of mid-60s to low-70s on beans. Those areas that I talked about down south, southern Indiana, southern Illinois, um, uh, Kentucky, best beans by, you know, five-plus bushels they've ever produced. So I think overall the, the bean yields uh, probably, uh, in my mind, uh, they might be close. They might still need to shave corn yields back a little bit. Uh, you mentioned world weather, and, and we're already starting uh, really to see the effects of that, uh, you know, here overnight Sunday and early morning. Monday, the wheat market uh, double digits higher, and that's because of the ongoing dry weather, mostly in Russia, but also Argentina. Uh, you know, they've got some issues there. Uh, they're a fairly decent producer uh, of wheat. They're getting ready to plant. I uh, actually started planting in uh, parts of Brazil, and, and to my understanding, have maybe uh, shut the planters off for a minute uh, in some of those dry areas, waiting on moisture. So we're very much in a weather market. And if that dry, and it's a La Nina year, which would trend that southern hemisphere uh, into um, hotter, drier conditions. And if that continues into, say, November and December, uh, yeah, it could be wildly explosive to prices, um, especially if China continues buying at the pace they're on. Essentially, right now, we're the only game in town. They don't really have anything in the southern hemisphere uh, to export right now. But um, come January, February, March, they will, uh, assuming they have good yields down there. And so, uh, yeah, we're very much in a weather market. And, and you can see that daily, even here in uh, the first week in October. Um, you know, these, these prices are kind of fluctuating and definitely have influenced by the extended forecasts uh, in areas like Russia, where it's super dry, South America, Brazil in particular, where it's very dry in their northern growing areas and uh, – you know, dry enough that it's affecting potential germination. So they are trending into a wetter time frame for them. They're supposed to get some better rain uh, coming into like late this coming week and into next weekend. But that forecast is far enough out. Um, you know how that goes. Uh, you can't right. hang your hat on a 10 day forecast. It's it's hard enough to, to do it uh, 48 hours out. Right. Yep. absolutely. The uh, other thing I want to talk to you about with with harvest in most places being two, three, four weeks ahead of schedule, depending on where they're at. Some of this, some of this flash drought stuff that we had really drove, started to dry things down pretty rapidly, and, and guys are out here running. Um, uh, right next to the woods, they're, they're going to be done about the time they should be starting, so kind of give you an idea of, of how far ahead they are out here. Um, talked to a lot of people around the, around the country, kind of similar situation. How is that going to play into idle hands type of thing with, with the traders as you look at going into – um, you know, mid-November, the overwhelming majority of the, uh, of the of the national crop being done as far as harvest goes. How is that going to play into the reports, and do you feel like we're going to have a better snapshot of what the actual, you know, national average is by, by the, de- you know, the, the December report or maybe even the November report? Yeah, and I think even this, this upcoming October report, they're going to have a much better feel for as well. Mm-hmm. Typically, when uh, the market looks at the harvest progress, you get corn harvest and bean harvest, for that matter, you know, kind of north of 50 percent complete nationwide, especially when you get up towards 60, 65 percent complete. Um, That's typically about when we kind of put a harvest low in. Well, this is kind of a weird year. So 
Uh, if we get to that stage and cash basis levels are still strong, I mean, this basis uh, situation is incredibly strong, historically strong in some areas. And in fact, harvest has picked up. We had a day last week where um, prices rallied. And in a lot of areas of the Eastern Corn Belt, corn basis got better, which, and, and that's at the start of harvest. That's with harvest activity. So there's tremendous demand out there. And so once we get that uh, kind of magical 50% of the harvest complete and get on the other side of that, uh, that mountain, uh, things could get interesting, especially if we're still struggling with dry weather in these areas, um, uh, you know, especially in the Southern Hemisphere. But the wheat market, too, I, I, I said earlier, I think is a sleeper, and it's kind of tied to corn as a feed grain. And if Russia continues to stay dry, if Argentina continues to stay dry, and if we stay dry um, here and, and it, it, we're, we're struggling with dry weather into winter and it's affected uh, planting here, then wheat could really kind of be the leader to the upside and help drag corn. You know, we've had some friendly situations in the past two or three years with corn. But wheat was always the anchor to corn, and, and corn tried to rally, but there was so much wheat in the world, corn couldn't do anything. So if you get the corn and the wheat market working in conjunction uh, together with some friendly news for each of them, you know, the whole feed grain situation across the world could get very, very interesting very quickly. And, um, you know, again, I, I think you're going to see what we've seen here in recent weeks, much more volatility, uh, much more dependent on the forecast. Everybody knows how uh, how that goes and how frustrating that can become. Yeah, and absolutely. so this thing's going to get uh, a little hairy going forward, I think, depending on weather and uh, and what our final crop size is. And that's going to be a major determinant in, in, in prices, too. Are they close on yields? Okay, we're going to maybe have a two-ish billion bushel corn carryout. Do they have three to five more bushels to cut out of this thing on corn? And all of a sudden, I mean, it gets, you know— sub you know billion five billion six carry out where three months ago the market was thinking closer to four so massive swing potential here yeah i've never been good at math but i think i could <laughs> figure that one out but they they got there's a that's a beat you know talking a 75 percent swing almost in in what the what the actual number is i mean it's a huge swing drop by 75 percent in in just a matter of a few weeks that's uh that is going to bring a lot of uh volatility of the marketplace just guys catching up in their short positions and those kind of things all of a sudden what they thought they had now is way out of way out of whack yeah for sure whack. for sure and I, I think as a producer you always got to go back and and look at profit right we're never going to pick the high pick the low everyone started selling beans early right because we were on the the doorstep of a massive bean carry out as well then you have the flash drought so you, you, as a producer you got to always go back and say all right, what are my actual yields? Have I started harvest? What do I think my yields are? What are current price levels? And look at that gross dollar, that gross revenue figure, because in a lot of cases, um, it's way better than it was 60 days ago and, mm -hmm. and, and might warrant some, some marketing risk management decisions just because you know it's pretty profitable. We're going to get this next round of, um, uh, of coronavirus support is. That's coming. Could be you know 30 to 50 bucks an acre on corn and 15-ish on, on beans for producers, so that's going to help. And you add that in, and uh, we're, we're looking at some okay revenues right now, especially if you're you know close to average yields. Yep. Yeah, definitely a lot of stuff going on, a lot of good reasons to uh, think about how you're handling that plan. So what as you sit down and talk with your customers, I mean, what are, 
what are some of the key points you're having guys pay attention to in their plan and, and what the adjustments they're making right now? Yeah, I think it starts with uh, exactly what we just said. What what do you think? Have you started harvest? What are your yields? Let's let's start with that. What's your current local cash market? Um, you know, what can you sell for? How much revenue can you generate? Based on what your yields are, what crop insurance plan do you have? Because if you're well under APH, probably crop insurance is kicking in and you know, you don't need to to do anything right now uh, because your crop insurance is is kind of covering your your downside. If you're in an area blessed with really good yields and and you have way above APH corn and bean yields, hey, those gross revenues are probably there and probably really profitable for you. Let's think about locking some of that in. And then you you, you replay that whole thing. You, you got to look at the 2021 crops, and those have really drug higher too, as corn and beans have rallied here recently. Um, you know, you're knocking uh, on the door. I think uh, we spent some time north of 390 on uh, December 21 corn uh, last week. Uh, I think uh, just going from memory here up in the 965, 970 area on November 21 beans. So that becomes part of the conversation as well because that's getting, um, you know, as good uh, as we've seen uh, of price levels for a year out um, this time on the calendar. Um, you know, it's it, it deserves some uh, attention out there. So a lot of moving gears in that marketing plan this year. Yep, absolutely. What are your thoughts on playing playing the weather game a little bit when you start looking at as guys I've been reading a lot of stuff about weather forecasts and take it for what it's worth, you know, it is what it is, but not very many folks are are calling for a very um very large amount of moisture to be coming through this winter, right? So, if we don't have a good moisture stream come through this winter, based on the drought situations that we're in right now, come planting season, and if it's an early planting season like we had again, and you're planting into to dry to dryness, um, almost into a, a drought, for lack of a better term, um, which I guess that's what that is. So, you have a drought going on, and you have no moisture you're planting in. You're you're way behind on the water table. I guess as you look at some of that, is it is it worth sitting on some of your grain and, and, and playing that, that long-term drop market a little bit, or or, I guess, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it it could be. I'm never a big uh, proponent of commercial storage. Hopefully there's not a lot of elevator uh, managers or owners uh, (laughs) listening on the podcast, Casey, because he might get some hate mail. Um, But it's hard to overcome commercial storage, um, you know, as a grain producer, if you have on-farm storage, um, yeah, I, I think uh, depending on your situation and, and uh, you know your, your cash flow and your financial situation, it, it might make some some sense to, to hold a little bit at least out into. I'm not saying 100. percent I would not no, advocate not. No. sticking in a bin and not pricing yeah. and batting on a drought, right? But if you want to hold 10, 15, 20 percent of your crop out here uh, or more. Uh, maybe a third out into what normally seasonally is a good marketing time frame, you know, post harvest out into winter and spring, it, it probably does make sense because by that time you're going to know, you know, some of the wheat situation across the world and, and whether moisture has come for the, for the wheat producing areas. You're also going to know how Brazil and Argentina right. are setting nice. up as far as corn and green production. And um, you have to assume at this point that uh, as dry as they are, that you're gonna, you know, have a little bit of volatility and maybe some some price appreciation from that. But in the to play devil's advocate a little bit, sometimes our best crops come in that environment, right? The, right. the old saying, "Plant plant in the dust, your bins will bust." Right. Um, 
you know, that if the rains come, right, right. that's the key. You, if you plant the dust and the rains come and you have good average rainfall, you can have massive crops. And, yep. and that's still a potential in South America, too. Right. Uh, so that's that's the other side of the equation here is that, uh, you know, and we know for a fact we these crops, corn and beans, both take less moisture to raise good crops as they did 10 and 20 years ago. So you just need a few well-timed rains and you can be uh, drier than average through the whole year and still have uh, a good crops. Uh, uh, but as this year showed us in parts of Iowa and Illinois and the upper Midwest, I can go the other way too, even on the best, um, mm-hmm. you know, thickest, blackest soils around, it, it still has to rain uh, or you really cut into to production potential. Yep. Yep. That is a very true statement, Chip. Well, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you guys down there at Blue Reef and, and get a hold of you and talk about their plan. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just uh, call us at our office, uh, 309-550-7213. We'd love to chat with you and uh, certainly got more interesting. If you're uh, going back and forth in a combine and uh, worried or, or uh, anxious about the markets, we'd love to chat with you. Right on. Well, that is Chip Nellinger with Blue Fragon Marketing. Thanks for being on the podcast again, Chip. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. So with that, let's go with some iron, folks. Thanks, Casey and Chip. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash expert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our Expert blog. And you can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Chip, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.